First Lady of New York Radio, Joan Hamburg. Entertaining and informative. Talk Radio 77 WABC. All right, everyone. We love celebrating food and everything that involves. It's our persistence of memory, our Proustian experiences. And I have many friends in the food world, restaurant owners, people who make things, and we have been suffering along with them during this pandemic. The food industry has been hit really hard. And even though people are told, you know, welcome, come back, it's still an industry that's having a terrible time. I just finished reading Peter Hoffman, his memoir. He calls it What's Good, a Memoir in 14 Ingredients. And Peter is one of the incredible food people, not only in the country, but all over. He was chef owner of one of my favorite restaurants many years ago, Savoy, and um, Back 40. He was, you know, everyone says they're the first, but... It was really what Peter could find at the farmer's market. It was farm to table that we didn't quite name it then, but Peter was the big person behind it. And he constantly wrote about it and explained to us all the different things that are going on in the food world. The book is a fascinating read. It's not only the memoir of what it takes to be a chef, to be in the food business, it's got ingredients, it explains everything about the ingredients that we all use. It has recipes, it's about history, it's about family and friendships. It's really quite amazing. Peter, I'm so happy to have you with me this morning. And you did an incredible job because you explained the pain, the joy, and everything that it takes to be in this crazy world of food. Yeah. Thank you, Joan. And really your explanation just now really sums up the book in many, in in many ways. And, and it does have that breadth. It's not just a chef memoir, pull back the curtain and um, see the gritty side of restaurant life. It is about pain and joy and family and, and awesomeness of, um, the natural world and how we bring that into our lives through the food that we buy and the, and, and the food that we prepare. But your family, like so many families who came to this country, who made it, who want everything for their kids, your dad, he was, so he wanted you though to be involved in something other than food initially. Yeah. You know, finding a career, finding a path, um, not following in the in the professional direction that that he expected um, or that my parents kind of expected was was tough. It, there was a way that um, they wanted to see me go down a more more white collar path, and I think that there were no models out there at the time um, what chef world could look like as as there are today. Um, you know, there of course people knew who. James Beard and Julia Child were, right. but um, those weren't people. They they were um, they were cooking teachers, or they you know they were on television and writing books and things like that. It wasn't um, in in the business, and 
you know, in the restaurant business. And so um, they were worried that I was just going to become a short order cook somehow. Um, and uh, it took a while for everybody to settle down and realize that this was both a path of passion for me um, and uh, a worthy passion that um, was going to be fulfilling for me um, as, as an individual. And, and, and that it really is and was far more than just sort of slinging hash. It was a way to explore history and, um, and cultures and cuisines and um, develop technique um, at mastery, you know, that, that there was a practice there. And my father clearly appreciated being a dentist and um, be, being really proud of his craft. He, he appreciated people who were um, developing a practice. Right. And in the beginning, you know, I, it was funny. We, I always say if I had come home and said to my family, I'm going to be a chef, they would have fallen on the floor. You know, it was so yeah. out of their realm of possibility. And a couple of years later, oh, my son, my daughter's a chef, a famous chef. So right. it, it changed. And, of course, you changed the way we look at food with a little restaurant. I still remember going up the stairs. Mm-hmm. And it was so hard to get a reservation because you were really little. In the beginning, yep, we were small. It, it, yep, it, it was. You know, we took over it. Um, we took over a luncheonette that was on the corner of um, Prince and Crosby Street, which is sort of a backwater of Soho. And Soho was um, at that time was about art galleries and and idiosyncratic kinds of craft businesses and things like that. Um, and um, and it was you and a Chinese restaurant. I remember that we used to go kind to. Kind of, yeah. And so my wife, Susan, and I um, found the property and, and realized that it was, um, that it had, that it had good bones and that it was, um, I don't know, that, you know, sometimes there's, there, there is feng shui to, um, pieces of real estate and the corner felt good and the building felt right, even though it needed a lot of renovation. And so we did that. And, and, and then we were this wonderful um, beacon of light in, in a sort of a dark and um, uh, forgotten corner of Soho. And then in time um, that, you know, it expanded, they came to us um, and, uh, and then down the block, I don't know what year it was, but, Balthazar is a, is a block away. Right. He took over what was, you know, when I needed to get a piece of paper notarized, I used to go into this shop with a, um, Orthodox Jewish man selling, um, end rolls of fabric mm. and, uh, get my thing, my paper notarized for a dollar and, and, and Keith McNally took over that space and turned it into, um, you know, a very grand recreation of a, of a, Parisian brasserie. Um, so uh, lots of changes in the neighborhood over time. And um, in the early years, the galleries were there, the, the artists, the, the dealers. Um, so it was really the downtown creatives of New York were our clientele and we got to know them and we traded art for food um, or food for art. Um, and that was exciting to be um, 
part of that in, in that world and and appreciated by people who um who were um creatives themselves and saw us in in that light um and uh then in time the neighborhood changed and um rents went up and it became more about shopping and and then it became about um brand shopping you know uh national uh brands that that moved in and and then it was you know it it it, it was no longer about um, creative people coming to um uh see what we were coming up with and developing and sharing but rather they just needed their um, a protein bomb after uh, being exhausted of buying lots of things on the street, and and so we were perceived differently, and we and the clientele was different, and um, so lots of changes over time um, as the economy changes and the demographics change. Right. I'm talking but, to Peter Hoffman. What's good? His brand new memoir, his memoir on 14 ingredients, and. As Peter says, I gentrified myself out of a job at one point, and that's what happened in all these neighborhoods. But think about, I love restaurants because they're theater, they're drama, they're family, they're home, and your restaurant had all that. It was so welcoming, and the food was so delicious, and we ate things that we didn't ordinarily eat because – you knew everything in the farmer's market and brought it back. And we learned all kinds of new things. So I miss that. And I'm curious, mm-hmm. your book is out and you've, which is almost cathartic, I'm sure, for you when you look back at this mm-hmm. incredible journey. But what does it take today? The world is so different in the last couple of years. What does it take? To do what you do, could someone start that journey and end up being a chef with a wonderful little restaurant? Well, I think there are people still um, out there doing that. It's, it's, uh, I, you know, I think there are a number of things that have happened, even pre-pandemic. Um, areas like um, Soho, where the rents had gotten so high, then um, young entrepreneurial cooks were going further out into the boroughs or actually choosing not to be in New York anymore that, that um, sort of in that right. searching for a balance of life. How much time do you spend commuting? Um, what's the, what do the neighborhoods feel like? I mean, there, you know, 20, 30 years ago, there weren't good restaurants really in all the, secondary and tertiary cities of the United States. And um, people started to go like, I don't need to pay this rent. I don't need to spend an hour and a half um, each way commuting. Um, And they moved to Knoxville and St. Louis and um, uh, Columbus and, you know, all kinds of cities that now support chefs doing thoughtful cooking. And uh, so that's, that's a great thing that, and as I said, that's pre pandemic. Um, the other, another change that occurred, and it is sort of during the time of the pandemic, is people started to say, um, "How do we, how do we cook? How do we build businesses that aren't just about chasing um, rich people's dollars?" Right. You know that um, I want to do something creative and interesting and artistic, but is not just wanting to be. Um, 
uh, in pursuit of the the top tier of cooking for the one percent or you know just under that. And I, and I think there's some very interesting models that that people are coming up with have come up with. One of course is there were again pre pandemic there were people doing pop-ups that they've said, I don't need to have a full-time restaurant and a, and a bricks and mortar place. I'm going to, um, I've got my skills right here in my knife bag and in my hands and I'm, uh, and I can, I'm going to do it. I'm going to let people know I'm going to do it through Instagram or whatever. And people will show and they'll give me some money and, um, and we'll move on and I can pay my rent from a one-off kind of thing. Um, but I think also that, uh, people, uh, restaurants it, during the pandemic started to see that that there were ways that they wanted to try and address certain equity issues and not just do um, uh, their work and then do a um, a gala dinner and donate their time <clears throat> for that single night, mm-hmm. but rather say, "I have skills. Can I cook for multiple streams? You know, can I enter the the marketplace in?" different at, at different levels and different kinds of ways. And, um, and I, so I think that that's one thing that we're going to see continue to develop and, um, and, and express. And so that um, even now there are, there are, you know, in the way that Jose Andreas um, has been out there in the world with his organization and then um, hiring kitchens, hiring restaurateurs to, um, yeah, he's, help address yeah. the issue, and and as I said, it's not just on a uh, a one off basis. It's it's um, those kitchens, those individual houses are um, have multiple revenue streams, and some of it's cooking, and they're cooking for different populations. So I I think there's some interesting things. I there, but there are challenges, right? Um, um, in the same way that Savoy pioneered the idea of um, buying good ingredients and educating our diners about what goes Mm -hmm. into good ingredients and why they might pay more for food in my restaurant than they do somewhere else. I think the same uh, issues, the same uh, examination is now happening around labor. Which is um, a huge issue in the business. Yeah, you know, because there was a way that, I mean, there were, uh, I don't want to completely blame it on, again, on the high-end restaurants, but uh-huh. there's there's a there's a whole culture in which in the high-end restaurants that this is where you have to work and you have to submit yourself to this grand, um, you know, creative uh, chef and they're going to abuse you, whether it's, how they speak or how you're treated right. or how many hours Screaming. you work. Um, and, uh, and that's the only way that you're going to get anything good on your resume to get to the next spot and the next level. And, and what that, um, and that's not, that's, that's not a healthy environment and it's also not a sustainable environment to, to work in. And so people, a lot of people in the pandemic then kind of said like, I'm out, I'm not doing that. Mm-hmm. It's not, too much abuse. It's not health. It's not. It's not a. It's not a healthy place to be, both because of um, how close everybody was and and the pandemic, the virus, right? But it's also not a healthy place for um, my 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 soul, my spirit, and um, and and people have gotten out. So the the business and the culture of the business 
now has to go through some major changes. Right. And we're seeing um, them and, slowly. Yeah, slowly. It takes time. And part of that's also going to be that going out for dinner costs more because if you want to run a house that has a better culture, you're going to have to pay people more or you're going to have to have more cross-training so that you can um, move people in and out and respond to um, uh, their needs, personal, their private needs, as opposed to work, you know, depending on someone that's working um, 60 or 70 hours a week. Um, and uh, that means that it's going to cost more to go out for dinner. And, and, and I guess I feel in some ways like that's a good thing. And um, it may cause a retraction uh, in the number of businesses or the health of some businesses. And people may, um, but the flip side of that is that people may cook more at home and um, connect more to their food and, um, uh, and take pleasure in cooking for themselves and developing a practice, just like my dad had pride in, uh, in what repetition gave him mm-hmm. in terms of his skills. Repetition in your home, at the cutting board, at the stove, those are, those are wonderful, um, you know, self-gratifying kinds of experiences With, as right. well. Without, without any um, issues there, but still, because so many of us have spent the last couple of years, you know, three meals a day really in the kitchen. And I love the kitchen. I love to cook. But nothing, I mean, the pleasure of having a wonderful meal in a special restaurant, I think we're going to see a lot of that. I'm talking to Peter Hoffman and his memoir, What's Good, takes you on an incredible journey through a very different time in New York and really up to today. And all the people you meet who crossed Peter's way, including Anthony Boudin, you knew him when he first started out and explain he too you're sort of like the high end, but he was taking a lot of shortcuts like chefs were doing then to mm-hmm. try to raise the profit. And there are all the names that you know a part of Peter's journey. So, Peter, would you now, your memoir is finished, you've had fabulous restaurants, would you do it again? Is this the time for someone like you? Oh, well... um, would I do, will I do it again in the present? The answer to that is no. Um, what I, uh, I, you know, I spent 26 years at it, Joan, and that was great. And, um, I really feel like, um, there are so many things to do in this life and we only have one. Um, so I want to sort of explore and, and, and let it let it go elsewhere and, and see where things take me. What part of what I realized was that um, I really enjoyed the writing process. And, um, and you're good um, at and, it. Yeah, thank you. I, I worked hard at it. And the, um, uh, the pandemic was good for me in a certain way because there was nowhere to go. There was, right. um, the, there was you know, I couldn't procrastinate too much um, and um, take a catering gig or go have lunch with somebody um, but rather I went to my desk and, and um, sat down and, and wrote. And um, so I want to continue writing and continue telling stories. Um, you know, uh, as, you, as you said, the title of the book is What's Good, a Memoir and 14 Ingredients. And the ingredient side of the book 
um, you know, if, if the memoir chapters are about the business of cooking and how I developed as right. a chef and, and what it was like to run a restaurant, the other side of the book is, um, is what thrills me. What, what are my passions? What are, who are my muses? And um, that's the ingredients. And so I, um, I had a wonderful time uh, learning more deeply about the foods um, from my farmers at the market, but also doing research and um, pulling ideas together that I'd previously had, um, but hadn't had to uh, uh, really develop in a coherent way. And I, I had a great time writing the ingredient chapters. And, um, and I think that part of what they do is, or my, my hope that they do for the reader is they get us out of the head of thinking that we're uh, in charge of the universe, that we have control exactly. um, or dominion. Um, and it, uh, rather that cooking by the seasons, which I do and, and going to the farmer's market reminds me and gets me back in touch with what the seasons are that, um, that, that um, the natural world, the growing world plants um, is a, a miracle and, and be happening, um, you know, without us, and um, and that uh, that the planet is being shaped by forces that we can't control. Or, I mean, we mess with and um, and are changing, you know, around climate collapse and things like that. But that um, the the, the uh, it, it's a that, that cooking by the seasons becomes a lesson to me and hopefully to the reader um, of not thinking that humans are um, in charge all the time. All right, Peter and, Hoffman. Um, and, you know. Know, Peter, I'm going to make sure everyone knows I'm talking to you, what's good. And um, as I learned in the book, one of the last green things that are happening are leeks. And when I went to my farmer's market the other day, I looked at my leek and said, I know what to do with you that I mm-hmm. never thought about before. I know how to keep you for a while so you can bring your deliciousness for past the season. I thank you so much, Peter. We're oh, going to follow you, you. Yeah, you know, and I was so thrilled when, when you and your people reached out. You were a big fan of Savoy for a long time, and people would come into the restaurant and say, oh, I, I, Joan Hamburg mentioned you on, on, on the show. And I would go like, who, what? I don't even know she was in the restaurant. And it took many visits, I think, before I finally got to right. say hello. hello to you and thank hello. you in person in the room. And um, uh, so it's nice, so nice to come full circle now and talk with you today and that you um, spent the time with the book that you did. I'm very proud of what I've written, and, and, and I'm so glad that it resonated so much for it you. It did. I thank you. And regards to your family, you I wanted not only to make the pie that your wife makes so wonderfully oh, well and was in the one. book, I wanted to go to her house and eat the pie that yeah. she made. All right, Peter. We can conti- take care of that sometimes. <laughs> continued success. What's good? Okay. A memoir in 14 ingredients by the one and only Savoy's Peter Hoffman and so many other food adventures and journeys. I'm Joan Hamburg. You're listening to WABC.